Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Debate over the potential union of St. Louis City and County is now moving into high gear. The Municipal League of Metro St. Louis is taking exception to the detailed merger proposal outlined yesterday by the organization Better Together. The League wants to take a much different route. We'll hear from both organizations, beginning with Better Together. It wants a statewide vote in 2020 for an outright merger. Joining me in studio with details are Better Together staff members Dave Leipholz and Marius Johnson-Malone. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Nice to have you. Thanks, thanks for having us. us. Dave, I'll start with you. Why is what you're proposing better than what we have now? Well, I think it goes back to why our reports were when we first started. I think we have seen a drastic overspend in this region. We have a lot of inefficient government. We're seeing declining population in both the city and the county, so throughout that region collectively and separately. And I think it addresses several of the key issues we saw. One was that we compete a lot internally um, for economic development. And what happens then is we have winners and losers. So we have communities here that rightfully say, hey, what we have is great. But then we have a lot that we know don't have that. And so this seeks to really rise all boats to act to bring us together to act as a region for the first time and to really guide strong economic development and public safety and ensure a basic level of service throughout this region. Morris, is it fair to have the state decide an issue that really is a, 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 a aimed basically at the city and the county? I don't know that fairness is the right way to, to put that question. It's really a matter of what is the appropriate legal pathway with what is being proposed. You know, the relationship between the city and the county is defined in the state constitution. That's pretty unusual, but that's the way it currently is. And so addressing that necessarily needs a constitutional amendment. Um, when you look at what we heard from people in the community about the things that they prioritized around uh, having reorganization, they looked, they talked about economic development, they talked about police and courts, and they also mentioned the ability to maintain the cultural identities of their communities. The only way to be able to get at those priorities is through a new class of county, and that requires a constitutional amendment with a statewide vote. And, and Don, if I can piggyback on that as well, one, when Marius talks about the recommendations from the, the task force, it's we heard loud and clear that people wanted consolidated, strong public safety. We know what we went through as a region with the municipal courts, and we know we want strong, unified economic development. And if you go through a board of freeholders process, whatever you come out with is still uh, susceptible to all the general state laws in Missouri and the Missouri Constitution. So general state law in Missouri says if you're a city over 400 people, you have to have police. Well, there goes the police reform. With courts, you're trying to reform a branch of the Missouri court system. So you have to get to the amendment there in the Constitution in that part. And then we also have in uh, St. Louis County about 15 municipalities that are charter cities that get authority from the Constitution. And so when you're trying to address those things holistically, you, you can't do that through a Board of Freeholders process. But we're still in a situation in which the state could decide to pass the proposal and the city and the county could not. Uh, and what was your discussion like in dealing with that part of the equation? Well, and I think, and we were um, in meetings with Jason Rosenbaum, and he brought up that uh, Dr. Ross, who was on the task force, said he wanted a local vote at the beginning of this process. And I, th I think that that comment shows where the group really was and w how hard they looked at that for months and months. What is a pathway we could do this? But to get to the strong reforms on public safety, on economic development that we wanted for the region, you have to go through that statewide constitutional amendment process. Yeah, I, I would echo that and also say that one of the things that the task force members uh, really centralized in their conversations uh, and, and in this debate specifically around the statewide vote was 
trying to create a structure of government that could help achieve some of the equitable reforms that we know are needed in this region. They look to uh, reports like the Ferguson Commission report, like the For the Sake of All report, to see what structure of government is best going to lend itself to enacting these reforms moving forward. And what they found was in trying to meet those those priorities and also listen to what the people in the community said about um, really preserving the cultural identities of these communities, the pathway forward that made the most sense was a structure of government that is currently not available in the state of Missouri. And so, uh, you know, I will tell you that, as Dave mentioned, the task force members, it's not the ideal situation, but it is the appropriate legal path for the things that they heard from the community. Let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts of the proposal. There are many, so obviously we can't get to all of them. And uh, we'll have some input, I'm sure, from our listeners at 382-8255 or 382-TALK, or they can email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. But, um, uh, one of the things that many people are talking about is the uh, elimination of the earnings tax mm-hmm. from the city of St. Louis. They, they're looking at this from a couple of different directions. Number one, that's a big chunk of revenue to lose. Number one, how do you make up that revenue? So I think an important point on the earnings tax is that it's not being eliminated. We're actually ensuring that it, it goes through a 10-year phase-out. So we don't wake then up. Then it's eliminated. Yes, but we don't wake up on day one and then there's a $200 million hole in the budget. And so um, some of the other things we're looking at, you know, consolidating county offices as an example, $60 million in savings. You start looking at uh, the ability to right-size the government through attrition over a course of years just as that's phasing out. Um, that also is is a huge savings point there. And so what it does is allow for that to be drawn down just at the same time that we're really starting to see some of these efficiencies that we know will be there and that we've seen in other regions. You look at Louisville, and they're still seeing double-digit million-dollar surpluses in years, 15 years after their um, consolidation. And so we've looked at the math here, but we've also looked at the trend in other regions that have done this. Marius, another point with regard to the earnings taxes is that – Rex Sinkfield, the financier, has, uh, you know where I'm going with this, has, uh, has really bankrolled what's been happening so far, and that he doesn't want the earnings tax in the city. And that's what this is all about. Can you say that is or is not the case? I, I mean, I can't speak to why he is supportive of this effort, but I can tell you that he has not been the driver behind this process or um, the work of the research. Um, you know, when we started five years ago, Burt Walker was actually the one who started this effort and gave the initial funding to to uh, help us get our work off the ground. And there we've had several donors, uh, hundreds of donors over the course of the years. And if you go to our website, you can see a list of those donors. Rex Singfield is a supporter of our work, but he came to it at a later stage of the game because he liked what he saw coming out of our organization, not because he was trying to push any particular agenda. I mean, if he likes it for that reason, that's that's wonderful, but it's not been the primary thing or really the driver of any of the conversations at the task force level, at our staff level, uh, over the course of our processes. Mm-hmm. Consolidation is a big part of what you're proposing. Consolidation of the municipal courts, consolidation of police departments. Mm-hmm. There are other uh, other areas as well. Uh, law enforcement, uh, obviously. Okay. The fire districts are not being consolidated. Why not? Correct. And so I think when Marius was talking about that community input piece, I can tell you that our recommendations from the task force are so much different, radically different, than if we just objectively looked at the numbers and the data. Um, and that's because we heard... Universally, this was in areas in West County, South County, North County, St. Louis City, that public safety and having a quality of service for public safety across the board that was uniform and high quality was one of the most important things, as well as economic development. One of the things we've tried to do is put some of those uh, big calls 
in those recommendations and, and in the initiative petition um, language that was recommended. And we think that those are the most pressing issues. Now, we also think that there's going to be opportunity, as we again looked at other regions, none of them has ever rolled back their consolidation. They've actually continued to see efficiencies and consolidate. And we certainly see an appetite for that in fire, and we certainly see some of the beginnings of that. One of the things that will happen is the city fire department becomes a fire district. And so we think that to the extent that um, surrounding uh, areas are, are struggling with the payments for their fire service, they can also contract, which is an option as well. Uh, okay. Uh, I have another question here if I can find it. Yes, one from one, uh, one of our listeners. Would police officers, Morris, be uh, currently working for municipalities be brought over into a new Metro PD, or would there be a reduction of officers due to consolidation? Well, I think one of the things we found when we looked uh, at policing and when the Police Executive Research Forum, PERF, came and, and did their study on policing is that the num number of police officers in the region is probably about right. Uh, we're in the right ballpark, but how those resources are dis distributed across the region are, is um, probably not the way to do things as far as the most effective way of policing this region. So, you know, the officers in, in Baldwin or in a community are going to be needed in this new police department. Um, and assuming that they come from a department that is accredited, that has sufficient standing uh, training standards that live up to what that new standard is going to be, I think it would be reasonable to assume that they will be a part of that new effort as well. Well, and actually during the transition, one of the ways that police transitions is uh, chief is appointed with command control over the current departments and the police officers, the leadership works to consolidate that policing. So at least initially, those officers will all be under the Metro Police Department. Okay, I want to move on to some other things. This is like a lightning round, if I can get the words out of my mouth. One of the things we're hearing from our listeners uh, concerns, uh, concerns schools, and uh, here's one of the questions they ask. Why won't anything be done to school districts? This, they're not being consolidated. Seems like a great opportunity to help bridge some divides and help out districts in need. Morris? Yeah, you know, we've heard that feedback um, for the last five years over the course of our work. The reality is that it, w schools were never really a scope of our organization's work. Um, we have, from time to time, um, looked at certain parts of it in conjunction at the recommendation of, for the instance, the Ferguson Commission report called for a task force for schools. Uh, the task force members themselves really wanted to look hard at how education would be affected in this, and they ultimately concluded that the work needed around trying to understand school consolidation was too great in scope to be a part of their work. Um, and the the other part of it is that schools are a separate political subdivision. They're in a different part of this constitution. They're governed by a different part of state law. However, there will be some uh, positive effects, we think, from this reform. One of the things that we hope will uh, come from this effort is a reduction in the competition for sales tax revenue and other things. Uh, so there will be fewer TIFs issued, different things that are div currently diverting money away from local school districts. We also think that more equitable zoning will allow for um, different types of housing to be built in, in other parts of the county and that uh, more families will have opportunities to move across parts of the region to to uh, have school choice be a part of their uh, decisions where they live. Dave, I'm not exactly sure how this uh, winds up being an economic boom, as, uh, as, as it's been called. Is it just because of savings through the current inefficiencies? No, not at all. I think that's one of the benefits for people here in the region. I think that one of the things we learned, so when we started this process with the task force um, and visiting these other communities, you walk in and from day one with them, you hear the exact same plan, the met their five-year plan, their 10-year plan, and they're all working together. 
they're not competing to move a Walmart down the street. They're not using tax incentives to lure a certain retailer down there. They're competing externally. And I think one of the other things that we really benefit from is workforce. I think that you attract and retain talented people to a region that's thriving, that's moving forward, that's able to do the big things together. You know, time after time from different uh, economic groups across our region and across the state, we hear about St. Louis generating five proposals for one bid for a company to come here. And so when they see that, they look at it and they're like, well, this isn't a region that really has its act together. All right. Well, much to talk about. We have to take a break. Let's do that now and come back and continue our conversation on Better Together's proposal for merging St. Louis City and St. Louis County. We'll be back in a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Back to the conversation with Better Together staff members Dave Leipholz and Marius Johnson Malone. What about merging legislation, ordinances, if you will? Um, St. Louis City has ordinances that are not in conflict with but don't quite match what's going on in the county. I'm thinking of discrimination ordinances in particular. Dave, how is that going to be handled? So there's a few, th- uh, just to provide the landscape. So when the metro city is created, the ordinances as they are in the municipalities, uh, the city and the county become the ordinances of the metro city. So they all stay in place and pertain to the ge- geographic area where they are now. But what it does do is two things. One, during this um, process, the transition process, there's a public comment and um outreach period where people can bring to the attention of the counselor who's in charge because some of those laws will be in conflict and they'll have to be a report on options on what to do with those and that'll be one of the first things the council does but people from the public can come forward and, and discuss problematic regulations and ordinances and we'll be able to have a conversation about that during that two-year transition period the other thing is that to the extent there's problematic um, ordinances uh, that may especially discriminatory ordinances, we now have a Metro City Council that can address this as a region. All right. We have a caller who wants to uh, have a question to, has a question to ask. Val in Alton, Illinois is uh, with us. Go ahead, Val. Hello, yeah. Um, I'm an actual uh, student of uh, urban planning, utilizing sustainable growth. So I was just wondering um, how you're going to address the fact that different municipalities have different uh, planning approaches uh, due to the, either their economic uh, liabilities or viability and their equipment and stuff like that? Are you going to aim high or go to the lowest common denominator between all the different types of uh, government structure? Marius, do you want to take that? Actually, I'm going to let Dave handle that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so one of the things I, I, I want to point out is that For the first time, we're going to have a metro city that has some authority in saying this, and so we really do have a regional approach to it. I think one of the uh, 
key components is that there will still be a local voice when it comes to zoning and um, adjustments and all of those decisions, but we will have a metro city that can weigh in on these decisions as well. So it's my, my hope, and a lot of this will come down to policy and action they take, that we do aim high and that this really needs and the, what the task force pushed for is something that tears down obstacles and enables not to bring down uh, communities that have a high level of service or success, but to raise all of those communities up to a basic level when it comes to those services. Marius, in a very general way, what are the rights and responsibilities of these municipalities or, or municipal districts, as they're going to be called? What do they gain? What do they lose? So, you know, under the new uh, system of governance, the metric, these municipal districts would still have responsibility for fire protection uh, if they currently do that service or would like to provide that service, trash and recycling, uh, parks and recreation, and um, as Dave mentioned, they will have a first voice in, in zoning decisions. They'll essentially be um, that first pass at those local uh, issues. They will also be able to provide, if they want, uh, any other per service that the general government for the metro city doesn't provide, uh, assuming that they can pay for those services through the taxes mm -hmm. levied within that municipal district, mm -hmm. uh, the property tax, the utility tax, um, other fees for service. What about handling things like infrastructure, mm -hmm. roads, bridges that might bridge these districts, for instance? Yeah, and I, I think that's an important note, too, is we can, for the first time, have a comprehensive approach to that. I think that we've all driven on roads where, you know, everything's smooth and going fine, and then for a mile you're on potholes. And so I think having a really regional approach to that so that we're planning together, that we're working on those roads together. Some of them are state, some are federal, some are. But from a local perspective, I think that you that's one of the big things where you can see some efficiencies, too, is not doing it in patchwork fashion, but really having a planning and following through and making sure that our infrastructure, that we all try travel across, no matter what municipality we may live in, that we all count on to get to work and get around. What do you worry most about this proposal, Marius, about what uh, can work and might not work and what is kind of iffy? I don't know that there are specific things I would point to as, as far as this proposal. One of the things that we tried to ensure and that the task force tried to ensure in this process was that they were learning lessons from other places who had traveled this road before. And one of those lessons is that um, we recognize that no single solution is going to get at all the issues we have in the St. Louis region on day one or in the first shot. And so this government is, is constructed to be one that can be continuing to change and adapt to the needs of the citizens as, as those needs change over time. Uh, we anticipate that there will be further reforms down the road, and I think that's an exciting conversation because right now I don't know that that's a possibility. It's not even on the table we, uh, given our current structure. Well, this is not going to ha be happening overnight, Dave. The timeline takes us to, it, to 2025 at least. Correct. Yeah, this is a slow process. I can walk you through it quickly if, if that's worthwhile. But one of the things I would just say, the reason for that is we want there to be stability in this, stability of leadership and legislation, stability of finance, and for nothing to just be ripped out from under people. We want this to be a slow, smooth process because we recognize two things. One, we need to continue services we're providing right now because people <coughs> rely on those every day. And we also need to get to a point where we're providing them better and, and more efficiently. And so to do that quickly, I think, would it would really be disruptive. Mm. Under the current uh, proposal, if it, if it goes exactly as planned, uh, we would wind up with uh, three county officials being in charge of the operation. That would be with the county prosecutor. The, Steve Stenger would become the mayor of this uh, operation. And what else will you have? There's one other assessor. Uh, the county assessor, yeah. Um, so it would be three county elected officials who would be in charge. Um, 
is there a chance, number one, that this could turn on personalities, that the, the vote could turn on personalities? Uh, and and the, the city voters might feel, hey, we voted for these people. Now they're gone. They've evaporated. Well, I think, you know, one of the things we always tell people is thinking in two and three year increments is kind of what got us into this in the first place. And with everybody, there's going to be people they voted for and supported and people that won over people they voted for and supported. And so really what this is about is getting to the right structure that we need for a region. And so I, I think that that's a, that's a, a question we get, but <clears throat> the reason for some of this continuity and stability is so that you don't just throw up a new government, as you said, overnight. And, you know, it takes a number of years to really equalize these things and to make sure it's done right. Yeah. I mean, I would also add into that picture that there will be a 33 member uh, council that will be elected from smaller districts mm -hmm. uh, throughout the, the region. And so, you know, it's not just those three individuals that we're trying to make sure that we're creating a modern structure that is representative of the people that live in these communities. Well, that brings us to another another point uh, that you hear a lot of discussion about. Number one, is 33 an unwieldy number for, uh, for that population? And what about African-American representation? This comes up time and time again, mm -hmm. that the African-American political clout will be diluted. Sure. And I think that the, the answer to both of those questions is, is inextricably linked. You know, we spent a lot of time thinking about what is the right size for this legislature. And we looked at not just Indianapolis and Louisville and Nashville, but at other cities to see what they had. Uh, and it was very tempting to just expand the current size of like the county council, for instance, or uh, do something similar to what the Board of Aldermen would be. But what we learned was that in order to ensure that there is proper African-American representation, that there is opportunity for minority political voices to be a part of that legislative body, we needed to have a larger body that could elect uh, representatives that were more reflective of the demographics of St. Louis. It also allows for there to be caucuses that are formed within that body so that if you have a particular interest, whether it be African-American interests or quote-unquote progressive interests or you know, even potentially a Republican caucus, um, those things could be formed and, and advocate for issues as a coalition within a body uh, with, of, of size like 33. That would leave you with... Um, District size is a little larger than our current state house sizes, which gives a nice balance of resident to representative ratio and also allows for um, a real deliberation in a, in a legislative body. Well, and one of the other things, um, Don, to touch upon that larger number is for even just at the beginning, about half of the region is going to be getting not just policy, but their constituent services from one of these individuals. And so as Marius touched on, we really want to have that direct link and have not just uh, a responsive legislature, but the proper staffing too. I think we've seen, you know, at the Board of Aldermen now, there's one attorney for everybody. And so uh, I, working on things like that, I think is a big component too. Will the municipal districts have uh, have district councils? Yes. So the current mayor and uh, aldermen or council people or board, whatever they are in terms of their structure, automatically continues on. Um, and they man all the property tax and all the utility taxes collected in, in those municipal districts stays there too. It's just that the sales tax, which is more a regional funding stream, we all shop across the region, is used to provide those strong regional services so that we have good policing, not just in Ladue, but in Wellston and St. John and in Oakville. Is it, Morris, is it going to satisfy people who feel that uh, any kind of a big merger is going to take government farther away from the people? I don't know. I don't want to speak on behalf of people, but we really did hear that in over the course of our our work. And you know, I think the challenge that the task force faced was trying to reap the benefits uh, of 
uh, a more regional structure of governments, whether those be economic or trying to pursue uh, racial equity in this region, while also preserving that closeness that people do appreciate. And and I think that they did a really good job of reaching a balance, and, and, and we hope that the citizens of St. Louis will agree. Let's uh, get a couple of quick calls in here. We have a number of people who want to get into the conversation. We'll begin with Fred calling from Glendale. Fred, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Don. Listen, I've written a couple sentences. It's going to sound like I'm reading just to collect my thoughts. The presence of crime in a community is an expensive proposition for any municipal treasury. The city of St. Louis has been a hotbed of criminal activity. My question, your merger sounds like a transfer in part to county taxpayers the burden of paying for costs connected with the city's high crime rate, single judiciary, a single police force. Is that true, or am I just imagining things? I think uh, the reality of that situation is is a little different than what you described. If you look at uh, the report that the Police Executive Research Forum did on policing here in 2015, you know, they talked about the cost of crime in this region costing us about a billion dollars every year. Um, and, and crime is mobile. We, we know that obviously there are places within the region that experience higher levels of crime than others, but we've seen a growth in the homicide rate in St. Louis County this past year. We've seen that crime spreading <laughs> to other parts of the region. And I think one of the things we need to have is a better ability to share data and fight crime in a way that is reflective of the nature of crime in the 21st century. We have a caller, Eric, who wants to get in on the law enforcement part of the discussion. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. I had a similar question, which is that given that different police forces have radically different priorities in uh, what they target as crime, how are you going to merge them together? I, can I tell a quick story of a personal incident that illustrates this? Very quickly, please. Well, I was invited to go to a talk on the city-county merger at the St. Louis Country Club, which I'd never been to before. And it was a beautiful spring day, and I rode my bike there. I was detained by the, the Ledoux police force because people called in and thought it was suspicious that somebody would approach the Ledoux Country Club by bicycle, and that's the, a measure of what their priorities are in Ledoux, very different from in the city. Thanks. Who would like to take that uh, question? Well, I think what he's, his story's getting to the heart at is how we police as a region is so different because, I mean, a lot of departments, Ledoux's police department isn't focused on St. Louis region's crime. It's focused on Ledoux's crime. And I think that that really talks to what we need to do as a region is realize that crime travels. We need to share data, which currently doesn't happen um, to the degree it should. And we need to have high standards and priorities for this entire community as opposed to, um, you know, stopping somebody on a bike here or there. We, we really need to have uniform standards and training. And one of the things we've talked to the police officers a across the region, one of the things that they say is the first thing that goes for a lot of places that need it most is the increased training. Because to do that, they have to pull them off the street and pay extra. And so it's the first thing that gets cut. And so they're not given the resources they need. And they're certainly not given the regional direction that we need as a region. I, I would also quickly add that you know, the way that the priorities for a given geographic district are different even for a single department like St. Louis City's department or St. Louis County's department. The crime issues they experience in the South County precinct of St. Louis County are different than the ones they might experience in the West County district. And so I think their approach to addressing those issues is reflected in, the, in that department as well and will be for the new department. Let's bring in Jim calling from Maplewood. Hi. 
I, um, you know, in Maplewood, we've been able to stop them from extending Interstate 170 down through Maplewood, you know, right past our neighborhood. And I'm concerned about in a big metro government, things like that, local concerns being pushed aside and like big you know, interstate highways coming through our neighborhoods in, in ways that we don't want. Well, you I can, yeah, I can take that one, too. Well, I think that one of the things we're getting to, and again, with the larger legislature, you have really strong representative voices of those communities. And so that's not something that goes away first and foremost. But also, I think that, you know, we need to have those larger regional conversations as a region when it comes to these large scale projects. And so I think that this system would provide both. It would provide a really local voice and a strong voice on that, but it would also look at regional projects like some of our infrastructure from a regional perspective. Yeah, and the Maplewood City Council will still be available to be there and advocate on behalf of those citizens for specific issues like that to the the Metro Council. Uh, One more call. This one comes from Rolla. Mike, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, yes, in the uh, interim before 2025, why not run some mock boards with real issues so you have members of the St. Louis City Aldermen and uh, different councils throughout the munis and uh, the county and citizens and bring up a real current event, see how it's adjudicated, and then push it out to the rest of the populace. And now we can really get a look at, okay, is this how we want this to look in the end? I'll hang up and listen to y'all's response. I would touch on the fact that if we could get all those people together and get them to work on something, then we would probably do it in real life and not need um, some of the reforms. But I think that, you know, what they're speaking to is also an engagement piece. And I think that's really important. I think, you know, we had people say you're announcing two years before um, you're recommending uh, a vote. And that's because there, there needs to be a detailed conversation. When we were talking before, there's a lot here. And it's our job. We're hiring, in addition to our current team, eight full-time people to every day, all day for the next two years. Mm-hmm. If you want them to come meet in your living room, you want them to come to your business, it's our job to explain that and also do some of those activities like he was talking about to get that feedback. You're going to spend $25 million bucks to do all this. That is the projection for the campaign. And so we're, we're the nonprofit. Our part is just to continue educating people on what's there. And so I think we're going to be in people's living rooms, businesses. I hope that by the end of this, people are, are not quite annoyed by us, but think that we've exhausted <laughs> every single uh, ounce of their attention on this issue. I'm going to take one more call before we have to wrap up. Nelson in Spanish Lake joins us. Go ahead, Nelson. Thank you for taking my call. I didn't hear the answer about the minority participation. Uh, were there any minorities involved in this process to this point can you name uh one or two and uh you know there is a real concern that the black interest is never uh really uh, considered and so there's a lot of trust issue here that that what's being done it won't really benefit us can you speak to that and 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 how can we uh how can we really trust what's going on it's going to be a fair process Marius, as an African-American, why didn't you answer that question? Sure. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm not going to name specific people because we've talked to over 2,500 people through, through this task force process, um, and, and it was representative of, of the region. And over the course of the past five years, we've talked to about 13,000 people, whether it be in North County town halls, or North City town halls, or different places around the region. Uh, to the point of representation, I think one of the things I would point out is that one of 
we know from recent history and from the way things have, the conversation has gone recently that what we have right now is not working for the African-American community. And so when the task force was set out to say, okay, if we're looking at a different structure, what is going to give us the best chance of making sure that there is adequate representation in a new government alongside the resources to implement any changes that any particular community, particularly the African-American community given St. Louis's history, has to advance their causes. And we think that given the size of these districts and how they will, uh, will likely be drawn by an expert, um, nonpartisan expert during the transition, we think that there's going to be ample opportunity for representation in this new government. Very quickly, one final question here. What happens to pension benefits of city or county workers? Sure. And so those pensions and uh, the, the liabilities are going to be honored and fully paid and stay with the responsibility. No debt transfers during this process. So debt stays with the people who incurred it, including uh, pension debt. And it's also those revenue streams necessary to pay it off stay there as well. And so what will happen is all their, not just their current pension, but all their years of service and when they would vest and all those things carry with them forward. Well, as we've mentioned, this is complicated stuff, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we have a copy of the report on our website and Jason Rosenbaum's story, by the way, today. So if folks want to study it in detail, they can do it uh, that way. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for being with us. You'll be interested in a poll, a Twitter poll that we put up this morning, more than 100 respondents. 56% say they are in favor of the plan. 16% say they expect to vote no. The remainder, 28%, say they're unsure. So Great. from your perspective and your point of view, it's off to a good start. Yes. Thank Thanks you. for having us today, Don. I want to thank you uh, both so much, Dave Leipholz and Marius Johnson-Malone. See you again, you. I'm sure, before all of this <laughs> is over. I hope so. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.